Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is The First Flood Watch by Pastor Liz Rod. Father, we thank you. We thank you that this is your home. We thank you for being here with us. Lord, before anybody set foot through the door this morning, you were here. And Lord, we thank you that we are in a place as your children where we can come We can honour you, we can glorify the name of your precious Son, Jesus Christ, who we call Lord and Saviour, who we esteem greatly. And we thank you. We thank you for your word, because your word fills us with the knowledge of not only who you are, but you give us instructions for life. And Lord, without those, we would certainly be like those sheep that go astray. So today, Lord, I pray that you would help me to Just deliver the message that I believe that you have placed upon my heart and that it would be received by the hearts who hear it today. And we pray, of course, in that mighty, mighty name of your precious son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay. Well, you know, I was thinking quite a bit over the last couple of weeks, even when it was Mother's Day, we talk about honouring. How are we going with the sound? Is that okay? Yeah? Okay. You know, honour is the currency of heaven. When we honour God, we actually lift up the name of Jesus too because, as Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus is the living image that we have in our hearts and he is the living word. And as we, we sang today, he is our living hope. You know, when we honour, it opens up the way that we can actually hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And he is our gift, our gift that Jesus has left us with. When he departed, and thank you, Lynn, for sharing about that beautiful time where Jesus was transfigured in preparation for the fact that he would become that one who was lifted up and taken back to heaven after the uh, resurrection. You know, to know what honouring is, we need to actually know God's word. It opens the doors to new beginnings in our life. You know, every single day, God's mercies are new. Every single day, we have an opportunity to grow, to hear the voice of God, to know what it is to be part of the working machine that is the body of Christ. Because believe it or not, it's not just the people who stand up here on the platform or the people who serve you in other areas of the church that are visible. You are the body of Christ. Every single person has a part to play, and that part is God-given. You know, I was uh, looking, you know, at who would I talk about? I love the people of the Bible because the people of the Bible remind us not only of the fact that God looks at us and he knows we're human beings, He knows that we have our failings, our imperfections, and yet, and I love that, and yet he wants us. He wants us to be part of his family and he's made it possible. So I want to talk to you about a time when God got a bit fed up. Can you believe that? Boy, the people of Noah's time, and that's what we're going to talk about, as you may have gathered. You know, once... You know, when I was in Sunday school, we would simplify this story. And it was a lovely story about rainbows, rainbows, boats and animals. You know, we'd bring all the little zoo animals along and have them in the room. And 
the kids would be happily, you know, having them poke out the head in their little sticker books that, you know, little little stickers of animals. It was such a happy, cheerful thing. But actually, it was a pretty serious time, wasn't it? I mean, it is mind-blowing. And as I look through where we're introduced to Noah and his genealogy, and he had a pretty good genealogy, I've got to say, Enoch, who walked with God, who didn't have to go through death, he was just taken up. Can you imagine having a family history, a family background like Noah? You know, the man's name actually means something quite significant, and let me just find it. If you're following, please look at, look at Genesis we're just going to briefly look at the end of five right through to nine today. So I'm going to move fairly quickly. And it says that he was named Noah, saying, This one will bring us relief and comfort from our work and the grievous toil of our hands due to the ground being cursed by the Lord. That man would have had to have broad shoulders. That baby would have had to have broad shoulders to be named like that. Now, he was born in a time when people had pretty much decided to do whatever they please. It doesn't sound all that different to me to the time we live in now. It's amazing. But, you know, Noah was a man who stood out to God and he had a very special task that God was going to assign him to. We know that there's a lot of um, things that happen leading up to Noah being chosen. And that's the first one. You know, at my um, grandchildren's school, they have what they call the five C's. There's commitment, community, there's consideration, courage and courtesy. And all of those are about being who they should be. You know, they are a testimony to the community. They are committed. In fact, it says that uh, faith in Christ prepared for life. I love that. It's written on every part of my grandchildren's uniform, even their socks. I love that. Prepared, hey, prepared for life. What a tag to have on you. And so, you know, I looked at Noah and I'm going to give you a list of C's that I see in Noah's life that are all about the man he was and why he was chosen and what led up to it. You know, the first one is about corruption. You know, the people were so corrupt in Noah's time. Let me just find it. Yeah, just come along with me to chapter 6 now. And it says, Now it happened when men began to multiply on the face of the land and the daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of, of men were beautiful and desirable. They took wives for themselves, whomever they chose and desired. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive and remain with man forever, because he is indeed flesh. And if you're looking at the Amplified, which I am, it says sinful, corrupt, given over to sensual appetites. Because he, sorry, nevertheless, his days shall yet be 120 years. Remember, hang on to that number. That's an important number and you'll see why as we travel through the journey with Noah. We're going to move on now to verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness and in brackets it's got depravity in the Amplified of man and was great on the earth, and that every imagination or intent of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. That means without a break, continually. So, in fact, every thought, and God sees, God is a seeing God. He knows what's in people's thoughts. 
And so we have a very significant decision that God's made here. And I don't think he did it without a lot of consideration. I'm sure God didn't come to this conclusion in a hurry. The Lord regretted that he had made mankind on the earth and he was deeply grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy, and in brackets it's got to annihilate mankind whom I have created from the surface of the earth. Not only man, but the animals and the crawling things and the birds of the air, because it deeply grieves me to see mankind sin, and I regret that I have made them. Now comes our hero, our, our, our chosen one, if you want to call him that. And this is verse 8. It says, But Noah found favour and grace in the eyes of the Lord. And as I said, he's got quite a genealogy there. And why was he chosen? What, what made him different to the other people if the world was that corrupt? And it says here that Noah was a righteous man, one who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in an evil generation. Noah walked, and this is the important part, and I want you to hang on to this phrase too, walked, in other words, lived in habitual fellowship with God. Now, when we know that Noah goes on to be a father, we know that from our Sunday school story. You know, A.W. Tozer says this, the man who would truly know God must give time to him. You know, and that is something. You know, if we're not spending time with God, how on earth do we know what he wants from us? You know, without spending time in the word, when our time, and you know, conversation, there's another C word, they keep coming thick and fast. You know, if we're not talking to God, now that's a two-way conversation. We don't do all the talking. We don't give him a shopping list of what we want. He's not Santa Claus. He's not a glorified, a divine ATM. God is that one who looks to us as his children. He wants to talk to us. He already sees what's in our heart. We're not telling him anything new. Have ever, you ever been waiting for your children to fess up about something? You already know. <laughs> they think we're dumb, these kids. They really do. Apologise to the younger generation. But, you know, we're waiting for that moment where they come and they tell us, and it's precious because it means that we've got that two-way conversation. We have trust, and that's a very important word. You, you only honour and value that that you trust. And that's very important in our relationship with God. Let's flick over. And we're back to um, God's, God's opinion of earth. And it says in verse 11, the population of the earth was corrupt. And again, he gets very serious in his word here now. Absolutely depraved, spiritually and morally putrid. As I said, God didn't make this decision lightly. When the Amplified is putting it in those terms, we can see. So in his sight, that's what he saw. And the land was filled with violence, desecration, infringement, outrage, assault, and a, loss, a lust for power. God looked on the earth and saw how debased and degenerate it was, for all humanity had corrupted their way on the earth and lost their true direction. You know, Isaiah says that, doesn't he? Like sheep have gone astray. I remember that from my Sunday school days. Thank you, Colin Buchanan. He was great at teaching us scripture. You know, so that's why God is calling Noah. That's why Noah is chosen. He is that he's not just the best of a bad lot. In fact, there wouldn't have been much, much um, the slim pickings, hey, if the world was in such a bad way. But he was blameless in God's sight. 
He was righteous in God's sight. He was somebody who habitually and continually spent time seeking after God's heart. He had conversations with God. In verse 13, God says to Noah, I intend to make an end of all that lives. For though men, uh, for through men, the land is filled with violence. And behold, I am about to destroy them together with the land. And here he's starting to give Noah very, very precise instructions. Let's have a look in verse 14. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make it with stalls, uh, sorry, rooms, stalls, pens, coops, nests, cages and compartments and coat it inside and out with pitch or bitumen. Now, the, the Bible uses the word pitch in some other places, not many, but in this particular one, it is actually a, a word, a, a Hebrew word that is kaper, K-A-P-H-E-R. And what it means is to cover. And I want you to hang on to that because later on we're going to talk about what that covering symbolises. You know, did Noah have the capacity, another C word? You know, sometimes I look at the things that God has asked me to do when I look back over, you know, starting out with him. And I thought, you know, pick someone else. I haven't got the capacity to be who you want me to be. I used to think he was kidding, and that's not a C word. That's a K word. I used to think, oh, come on, you know, get someone else, somebody who's really got what you need. But it's not us that has the capacity. It is God who gives us the capacity. So, you know, there wasn't a Bunnings down the road. There wasn't a Gills timber merchant in Cleveland for Noah to nick down to, unless, of course, he was local. Maybe he was. But, you know, can you imagine the task that lie ahead of him? Because when we start to look through, and I'll let you have a a look through, the dimensions of what he asked Noah to build, you know, all the internal places that were going to be for the animals. And even though there are only two of everything, can you imagine what a task? And without being empowered by God, not by uh, having confidence in the fact that God had set him this task but was going to come with him, how on earth would you even think about it? We don't even know whether he was a boat builder. I mean, was there a need for boats? I think not. Was he a carpenter? Was he a cabinet maker? Maybe they had really flash little coops and uh, kennels. I don't know. We don't know what Noah did previously, but we do know what he does later on. So we look through, and, and as I won't read it all out for time, the sake of time, but he tells him then he's got to go and collect two of everything and seven pairs of everything that's considered a clean animals. Now, here's my chance. I think there would have been seven pairs of cats. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Leave that one alone. Leave that one alone. Uh, Lord, I'm sorry if I desecrated the word of God because you don't actually mention them specifically. But, okay. Now, he goes on in Chapter 7. We're t- starting to talk about the flood. You know, there's a lot of talk at the moment about flooding, but we don't know what a real flood is. This is a flood that God's going to bring. And he says to Noah, you know, after Noah has constructed this and goodness only knows how he did it, he's got to collect food. Can you believe that? Food for every type of living creature that's going to go on the ark. What a job. And you know what? I'm thinking of Mrs. Noah because, you know, she's got to go along with this. And I can imagine when she, you know, Noah starts, you know, uh, you know, milling the timber or doing whatever, 
She looks out a back window and she says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm going to build an ark. You're going to build a what? You're going to build what? You know, what's an ark? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he didn't even really know what an ark is. He said, no, you know, God's given this. So she's got to be a woman of faith. She's got to be someone too that is prepared to go along with it. Now, the kids come along when Noah is 500 years old. God bless his soul, I say. Oh, you know, I'm thankful at, you know, 67 that my kids are grown up and their kids are their problem now, you know. But can you imagine, you know, all of a sudden he's got this family, these three sons. I mind you, they'd come in handy if they had any carpentry skills or even if they were strong enough to carry the timber. But, you know, this is a family project. They're all going to, and yet, you know, uh, and uh, Terry, thank you last week, you talked about trust and the bigger picture. Can you imagine Noah is going to go along with this? He's got no idea what this is all going to end up like. He is just completely trusting God. He is just completely confident that if God's told him to do it, he's going to get on with it. What an amazing faith this man has. And we see in the New Testament, he's one of the heroes of faith in Hebrews 11.7. He's noted in there for what he has done. So, you know, here he is, no idea, no idea what the, you know, what we're going to do about all this. He's got no idea when the actual flood is really going to happen. He's never seen a flood. He doesn't know what that is, doesn't know what rain is. All of a sudden, here he is having to just go along with God and do what God has asked him to do. Okay, so then the Lord says to Noah, and this is verse 1 of chapter 7, come into the ark, another C word. You know, when we first came to the Lord, I don't know about you, I had no idea what I was doing, no idea whatsoever. It was just come, it was just come. You know, I didn't know where he was taking me and I certainly didn't think I'd end up standing here in front of you today. I can tell you that right now. You know, I wanted to be out there where you are, just sitting there being fed. But, you know, God has different ideas for us all, doesn't he? So he says, come into the ark, you and your household, for you alone have see, I have seen as righteous, doing what is right before me in this generation. And then he proceeds to tell him about bringing the clean animals. And I've written cats beside that for my own benefit. Uh, verse 4. For in seven days I am going to cause it to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights and I will destroy, and in brackets we've got, blot out, wipe away every living thing that I have made from the surface of the earth. And this is very important. Verse 5, so Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. What a man, hey? What trust has he got? Now, Noah was 600 years old when the flood or deluge of water came on the earth, covering all the land. Then Noah and his sons and his wife uh, and his sons' wives with him entered the ark to escape the flood waters. And, you know, this is, this is the consequences. There's another C word. You know, there was 120 years they would have watched this crazy lunatic, all the people around him, building an ark. What on earth is he doing? You know? We always knew he was different to us, but this man is nuts. He is crazy, if you want another C word. They had 120 years. And it says in Second Peter that he actually preached to them during that 120 years. But there was no repentance. They had a choice. I'm sure that God wanted to give them that space of time 
It doesn't say so, but I believe that God is just. And yes, he must be. A, he must bring justice. He must bring consequences to those who will not repent. But by the same token, he is a God of mercy. Okay, let's flip over. So after, and this is verse 10, and after the seven days, God released the rain and the floodwaters came on the earth. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, this is hard to get your tongue around, on that same day, all the fountains of the deep, the subterranean waters burst open and the windows and floodgates of heaven were opened. We sing a song about the floodgates of heaven and we're going to get to that a little bit later because it means a different thing for us. And it did rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. Now, we're moving right along because of our time. And so, you know, everyone that was collected, and what I love about this is that, you know, it was actually God that helped them even to muster the animals. Because can you imagine that job too? You know, especially you're out there, you know, wrangling with, you know, a leopard or a tiger or a, you know, water buffalo, whatever it may be. You know, come on, come, 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 come. I don't think so. I don't think so. Only my cat comes when I call her. I'm going to get in as many as I can before the boss gets back. You know, and so, and it says in verse 15, so they went into the ark with Noah, two by two of all living beings in which there was breath and spirit of life. Those who entered, male and female of all flesh and creatures in brackets, entered as God had commanded Noah. And the Lord closed the door behind him. So it's actually God taking them into this place of safety. If you look up the meaning of the word ark, it talks about safety and protection. It talks about stability. And even in the 1900s, those cargo ships that were being built and you know, tentatively going off to other countries used the same proportions in boat building that Noah's Ark was built on. And, and that was a very interesting bit of trivia. But actually, God had, in the specification, said just one door, only one door, one door to go in and one door to come out. And that's going to be important a little bit later on. So down comes the flood. And we all know that, you know, everything was covered. We know that all of those who were out there, it didn't matter whether it was animals, people, whatever it may be, everything was destroyed. Everything was completely covered. Now, the ark just bobs along gently. But can you imagine, again, these people on board, they've got all these animals to care for. It would have been hard work. I tell you, you know, you wouldn't have been just sitting around, you know, sort of, you know, waiting for, you know, reading a magazine, doing a crossword, whatever it may be, even though crossword is a C word. But, you know, even so, you would not have been without work to do. So all of them would have been engaged in keeping the animals alive because whatever purpose God had, and we know it was so that everything could procreate, so that life would continue because God's always got a bigger picture. Even if we can't see it, he's always got the bigger picture. He's always got it worked out. And so, you know, here they go. And it says in verse 19, the waters prevailed so greatly and were so mighty and overwhelmingly on the earth so that all the high mountains everywhere under the heavens were covered. In fact, the waters became 15 cubits higher than the highest ground, and the mountains were covered. And we go move on now to uh, chapter 8. And, you know, this is where God is actually now 
starting to bring the family back out. The flood abates, it says the heading in my Bible. And it says, And God remembered and thought kindly of Noah and of every living thing and the animals that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the land and the waters receded. But it didn't happen straight away. It takes some time. It says also the fountains of the deep, the subterranean waters, and the windows of heaven were closed. The pouring rain from the sky was restrained and the waters receded steadily from the earth. Bless you, whoever that was. At the end of 150 days, the waters had diminished. On the 17th day of the seventh month, that's five months after the rain began, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to decrease until the 10th month and on the first of the day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains were seen. Okay, let's have a look. Um, At the end of another 40 days, it's a real waiting game, isn't it? Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. He sent out a raven which flew here and there until the waters were dried up on the earth. Then Noah sent out a dove to see if the water had fallen below the surface of the land. But the dove found no place on which to rest the sole of her foot. And she returned to the ark for the waters were still on the face of the entire earth. So he reached out his hand and took the dove and brought her into the ark. He waited another seven days and sent the dove out of the ark again. The dove came back to him in the evening and there in her beak was a fresh olive leaf. You know, it's a symbol of peace, isn't it, the olive leaf? We talk about, you know, that expression where we extend the olive branch. It is something we offer to say. And, you know, I love the fact that Noah, to us, knowing that God's timing would be perfect, he didn't try to uh, intercede or rush things. He just simply waited upon the Lord. That is complete trust. Okay, let's just move down a bit further. Verse 13, now in the 601st year of Noah's life, on the first day of the first month, the waters were drying up from the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked and the surface of the ground was drying. And so here we are, God speaks finally. And verse 15, he says, and God spoke to Noah and saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives with you. Bring out with you every living creature from the flesh, birds and animals and every crawling thing that crawls on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his wives and sons and their wives after him, after being on the ark for a year and 10 days. Every animal, every crawling thing, every bird and whatever moves on the land went out by families from the ark. And first thing, very first thing that Noah does, it says in verse 20, Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every ceremonially clean animal, I take the cat back, and of every clean bird and burnt offerings on the altar. And verse 21, this is God's response. The Lord smelt the pleasing aroma. It says a soothing, satisfying scent. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intent, the strong inclination or desire of a man's heart is wicked from his youth. 
and I will never destroy every living thing as I have done. And he goes on, and this is very important for us, because we are people of the new covenant, I know. But once again, this promise was made to all mankind through Noah. Chapter 9, the covenant of the rainbow. And this is where, you know, as a Sunday school teacher, we love this bit. So nice, isn't it? So nice. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and terror of of you shall be instinctive in every animal of the land and every bird of the air and together with everything that moves. Okay, let's move on. And he gives Noah what we know as the Noahide covenant, which, of course, we know that that is um, surpassed by the the covenant we're going to speak of in a minute. Uh, I think we can probably leave it there. Oh, no, we'll move down to Noah because I want you to know Noah Noah had his faults. And it, it says that, you know, Noah began to farm and cultivate the ground, which leads me to believe that he probably was, like a lot of people back in that day, someone who farmed and traded what he grew. And so he began to cultivate the ground and he planted a vineyard. Now, this to me reeked of schoolies. You know, very stressful time, building the ark, very stressful time being on the ark. All of a sudden you're let out, you, you build a vineyard and what happens to Noah? He drank some of the wine and became drunk. And as he, as he was uncovered and lay exposed in his tent, Ham, the father of Canaan, saw by accident the nakedness of his father and to his father's shame told the two brothers outside. And that's a story for another day. You know, the ark was built as a safe place a stable place, a place of protection. It was a a place that was a covering and a place where new life could be stored and then sent out to be recreated. And so I want to talk to you now about our ark, Jesus Christ. And this for me is the most precious of all. You know, we, we know, I'll just actually find a couple of scriptures that I found this morning, don't you love the 11th hour? Okay, where are we? Oh, I'll flip that straight in the Bible, I think. Okay, if you want to turn with me to Second Peter, let's just have a look in Hebrews 2. Okay, now I'll go with Hebrews 7 first. Because I've already got that marked. Okay, Hebrews 11, verse 7, sorry. And it says here, prompted by faith, Noah, uh, be, being forewarned by God concerning the events of which as yet there were no visible sign, took heed and diligently and reverently constructed and prepared an ark for the deliverance of his family. By this, his faith, which relied on God, he passed judgment and sentence on the world's unbelief and became an heir and uh, possessor of righteousness. That relation, that sorry, that relation being right into which God puts a person of faith. Now let's flip over to Second Peter, because this is where we start to see the new covenant coming in. Second Peter two five. And if he did not spare the ancient world, but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, with seven others, when he brought the judgment a flood upon the ungodly. So, you know, the, the justice of God is still out there. It really is. But the mercy of God is 
to be given to us through Jesus. Let's have a look at Noah. Noah was obedient to the will of God. Jesus is the son of God who gave up every single part of his deity to come to earth just to be like you and I, a man who was subject to temptation, a man who knew what it was to be human. He was completely obedient even to the place where he gave up his life. You know, Noah was the only man for the job back when God wanted the ark built and he wanted life preserved so it could multiply and become abundant in the land again. Jesus was the only one, the only person who could be the ark that we needed. Noah was righteous. Jesus is fully righteous because he is God. Noah was blameless. And Jesus was blameless, and yet he bore our sins. He went to the cross for you and I. You know, Noah was an imperfect man. We've seen that. Jesus is a perfect man, perfect in every way. In Noah's time, there was depravity. All flesh had fallen into pretty much doing what they'd like. There was corruption and wickedness. I don't know. I'm not going to comment on our time, but I look around me. And I will comment on just two things. We see babies at threat of being terminated, their life being terminated full term. We see people who don't know, you know, they they obviously don't look down, but they're confused about what their genitals are saying and who they are. We're seeing all sorts of things corrupted. Everything that God has made is being tipped upside down to suit the way that people want it to be. And I won't dwell on that. You've only got to look around. Recently, my husband's been watching a a television show about how the railways were built, um, you know, crossing America. It's called Hell on Wheels, and it is appropriate because I think most of the people in it are going to go to hell, and that's a judgment. But, you know, in it, even even the minister, the local minister, is beheading people, and he's doing all manner of terrible things. You know, in the town, every time they arrive at, you know, where they're going to build a new station as they progress, the first thing to go in is the saloon and the brothel. You know, then they build a church. I love that. They've got a church tent. But, you know, as I said, what goes on in there is this, but not much, (laughs) not much of this. And so, you know, I looked at that time and, you know, Solomon says in his wisdom in Ecclesiastic, there's nothing new under the sun. People have inclinations toward who they want to be, what they want to do. And the thing is, we need an ark. And so Jesus is our ark, and I'm winding this up very shortly. You know, he is our shelter. He is our shelter. He he saves us from ourselves. You You know, God sees who we are. God knows what we think. He knows what we do. He knows what comes out of here. And I'm not talking about on Sunday morning when we've all got our our beautiful masks on and, you know, we've got our see for Christian hat on. He's talking about how we are out in the community, how we are with our families, what we let into this. Sorry, I banged the microphone. You know, um, he knows, you know, what do we watch? What do we listen to? What do we read? What do we look at? Everything, all those things can corrupt the heart that God has gone to great lengths to offer us the protection that comes, that washing clean through the blood of our Saviour. You know, in in, uh, here, 1 Peter 19, verse 20, 
The blood of the lamb is our protection. If you like, it's our pitch, our kafer, our cover. That's what we have as our protection. You know, Jesus said he's the door. Remember the ark only had one door. You come in through one door and that is the only door. That is the way into the ark. Jesus says, come. He says, abide. And he doesn't say get on and off when it suits you. You know, he says, come and remain, remain in the ark. I've got to tell you, you're not safe out there. You're not even safe to yourself. We are offered new life. Jesus says he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And he also says, and I want you to hang on to this, no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. If you're not on the ark, you are in strife, I've got to tell you. And I'm not going to do a Wild West, you know, a brimstone and fire conversation. But I want to, I've got a couple of questions for you. You know, God has, in Noah's time, he created something that was capable of producing new life. He chose a man who would be trusted with a commission to be able to allow life to go on. Now, as time goes on, People do keep drifting away. They start have their own ideas. In Jesus' time, there was a lot of corruption that went on. There were people who were power happy. I mean, the Romans, they wanted to expand their empire. And you resisted. You're expendable, I've got to tell you. You were, you were gone, crucified. There's another C word. But Jesus came to offer the safety, the stability, the protection the covering that could only come from the new covenant and that was ratified in the Saviour's blood. And so, Jesus, yes, you are our Saviour. But I've got to say, are you in the ark? Are you in the ark? Or are you sort of just waiting to see what will happen? I know people who say, I'm having far too much fun. I'm not going to, you know, commit to anything yet. There's another C word. You know, I'll just, I'll just see how life pans out. Well, you know, we've seen around us, life can end any day, any day, through foreseen circumstances, unforeseen circumstances. I have been with people on their deathbed who still will not confess Jesus or a need for Jesus, for an ark to come into. You know, and you can't do anything about people's choices. You know, many of us here have made a choice. You know, we wouldn't be here in church. But I've got to tell you, the ark's not something to come into and to have a wander off into the world. It is not safe out there. There are floodwaters out there that are going to consume, another C word, consume us if we're not careful. And so I would say to you today, if you aren't sure that you're on the ark, if you have not made a commitment to Jesus Christ, if he is not your Lord and Saviour, if he isn't occupying that first place in your heart, your list of priorities, if you are not honouring him by holding him in the highest of esteem, you need to come and make your peace today. You can pray with somebody else in the congregation. You can come out here and pray with one of us. You can ask, come into the office any time. That, that salvation, that ark of protection is available for everyone. Jesus said he came to seek 
and save the lost. And that is everyone. Lynn mentioned this morning, it's not just for a chosen few. You know, the Gentiles were let in. You know, the ark is, you know, it can hold everyone. So I would say that. If you're not sure you're on the ark, if you think, oh, you know, like this, come and talk to somebody. Come and and find out what it's like to live a life where you are completely and utterly set free. You know, it's the freest place. Free to believe the word of God. Free to believe that Jesus loves you. Free to believe that you no longer have to have the burden of addiction, that you no longer need to be completely consumed by the desires of the flesh. You have the opportunity to be set free in Jesus Christ. So, as I said, bringing this to an end. You know, there is... um, I'll just give you another little quote to end, if you wouldn't mind, from A.W. Tozer. He says, when you kill time, remember that it has no resurrection. And what he means by that is, today is the day of salvation. It's not tomorrow. You might not have tomorrow, and I'm not being fatalistic. Today is your day. Your day. If you're half on the, the ark, you hop off regularly and hop back out into the world, Today's the day to make up your mind to come through the door that is Jesus Christ and to stay on the ark. It is where you will find stability, peace. You will find freedom. You will find God's mercy that has no end for those who trust him. So let's finish. It's been a long morning with a lot there. Okay. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you have given us an ark like no other. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you were prepared to be the one, the one who was the ultimate sacrifice, the one whose aroma on the cross took away the stench, the fragrance of our sin, and you took away our shame. You took away everything that was not pleasing to God. And just as Noah built that sacrifice and honoured God, with that. God found it pleasing. And we know that even though it sounds terrible to the unsaved world, he was pleased that his son was on that cross. We thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for the word that we have that continues to show us that normal human beings, just like Noah, just like all the people of faith who had their imperfections, who had their failings, But when they put their trust in you, their faith in you, you gave them the capacity to do marvellous things that now are an encouragement to us, that we too can be people of faith. So today, Lord, as we leave, and there's still a lot of talk of the natural rain, the natural floods, I pray that we would remember that your mercy is like a flood that does fall upon each and every one. It's there to be had. And it's only because we had a saviour who loves us, continues to love us. He never changes and he has paid the price. He has paid our admission to come into the safety of the ark that you yourself created in your son, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. 
To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.